Take your Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we've been. We're working our way through this chapter, talking about how to change your life. You want to get caught up in the last three services. We, we talked about stop making excuses and how God works and he starts in our minds and how God begins to do a work from the inside out. And when you have the Spirit of God inside of you, God begins to change things to conform you into the image of his Son. And, and God does this. And we're talking about character and we're talking about how we live and talking about how to be a better mom and a better dad and a better leader and a better Christian, better teen. Because of Jesus inside of us. And the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they might see something different. And they may see Jesus in us. So we're learning what that is. I, I was, uh, like a lot of you guys, like when I need a car, go to the car lot. And I've got it in my mind what I want to spend. The kind of car payment that I need and where I need to stay in for my budget. Uh, and interest rate is a big deal. So a lot of times before I even go shopping for a car... I will call my bank and I call places that I know and just kind of get an idea of what what's it's going for. If you go to directly to the bank and you try to link that uh, to the dealership, it's a little more work, but sometimes it will save you money. So I, I found the car that we wanted to get and I was at the dealership and, he, and the guy gave me the speech and he goes, what do I need to do to get you to drive off with that car today? And I said, well, to be honest... I said, I need, I want this interest rate. I've already been offered it by my bank. And if you guys can give me the same thing, I'm cool with that. But I really want this interest rate. I said, we, we, we work hard to get our, our, our numbers where they need to be so we can get that kind of stuff. He goes, let me see what I can do. I don't make those decisions. Let me bring it over to financing. I said, okay, okay. So the guy gets up and he walks over and he leaves. And, you know, we're sitting there for a few minutes. And he walks around the door all confident. He goes, hey, man, good news. We nailed it. I told you we would. I said, that is awesome. I said, that takes so much of the headache out of it. He goes, I told you I had you. I, you know, I told you, you could, I, I'd get this for you and stuff. I was like, well, let's do this thing. I said, this all works out and great. So he sat down and I'm, I'm signing through the papers. And I get to the point where the interest rate. And it was like multiple points higher than what he said. And I was, I, I literally was just like taken back. I was like, what, what is this? And he goes, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's the interest rate we got for you. I said, that's not at all what I said. I said, that, that's significantly higher than what we talked about. Oh man, he goes, no, not kind of. Because he said, they're going to extend the number of months that you're going to pay for it. And that raised or that lowered the monthly payment. So even though the interest rate is higher, you're still kind of getting what you asked for. I said, that's not at all what I asked for. I said, you lied to me. And I, I wasn't trying to be like, you lied to me. I was literally like, you lied to me. And I stood up. And the guy said, no, no, don't leave. I said, whatever. And the manager came over. He goes, how is this going? I said, I, I said, I think I'm done. I said, uh... He told me he got me the interest rate, but I'm signing papers. And if I would have looked at that, he, he lied to me. And he, the manager goes, oh, what would it take to earn your business? I said, tell me the truth. <laughs> Just tell the truth. Because the thing is, a lie places doubt in your mind. What else aren't you telling me? What else did you, you know, you say the car has never been in an accident or this is in good working condition or it's a one owner. It's all these different questions that we all ask when it's that, and, and it places doubt in your mind. I, I know when it comes to this subject of lying, it's, it's almost like something we would tell kids. 
it, it, it's, 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 don't lie to mommy, don't lie to daddy, this is important. You always tell the truth and things. But I think we have a different mindset when it comes to us as adults. We, we almost justify things. It's like, it's not that bad of an issue. It's not a big deal for me to lie because of the fact is that I'm getting out of trouble or I'm trying to, you know, for my job or the sake of my reputation or whatever. But Paul begins to write out biblical habits. He begins to lay out things one by one saying, take this out. Remember, put off the old man that we've studied and put in new things. He, he talked about the renewing of the mind. It needs to start in your mind. It needs to affect your heart. You cannot change your actions without first changing your heart. The, the, the heart, the mind is the seat of emotions. It's a driving force. It's what brings the conviction. That, that's why when we talk about salvation, salvation with man believes in his heart. It's a change from the inside out. But it should be when God begins to change you from the inside out. These are the habits, the biblical habits that should change in your life. Listen to what he says, verse 25. Wherefore, put away lying. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. <clears throat> Say, that I thought that was a kid thing. No, let me explain. Right is right. And wrong is wrong. No matter what the age is. Right is right. And wrong is wrong. No matter what the situation is. And for us as Christians, we have the standard of the word of God that declares what is right. We put on righteousness that which is right. It says, wherefore put away lying, speaking every man truth. Speaking every man truth. Here's a biblical habit, number one, that we're going to go through. We'll have about four or five that we're going to hit that's in this passage. We always speak truth. It's a, it's a foundational standard in my life. When I accepted Christ, it's something that I'm, I'm asking God to do in my life, to renew my mind, that I don't speak lies, I don't justify it, I don't twist things. We all struggle with this. It's, it's a basic struggle of our flesh. If we're late to work, we're never going to say to our boss, I'm not saying we never do, but it's easier to say, traffic was terrible this morning, rather than saying, I hit snooze five times. And that's it. We're not going to tell the truth. It's easier to say traffic was, and it might have been because you sat through one light two times and that's what you're blaming traffic on. It's, if you're, if we've been the, the truth to avoid confrontations with people, we alter things on our taxes to save money. You get pulled over and the, the, the police officer says, did you know you were speeding? No, sir, I didn't know. When you knew you were speeding, but you're running late. To, to say, I didn't know I was speeding, it's, it's a lie. To call your spouse and say, I'm almost home when you're not even le left the job yet, that's a lie. If somebody confronts you with something, you say, I never said that. When you know you did, but you know that it's going to stir up problems, that is a lie. It is a lie. To call into your work and say that you're sick when you really just don't want to go to work is a lie. To want to skip work, to be able to go do an activity. Calling work, is that wrong? That's up to you when it comes to the situation to call in. But to, to present it as, as, as truth when it's not is a lie. Cheating is a form of a lie. You're presenting your work in such a way to say, I did this. When you're lying about it, you didn't do that. You stole the information. We make simple habits out of lying. 
even in church. And I'm just telling you, this is, it should be the attitude of the mindset. We're renewing our mind. To go to somebody and say, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and you're not praying for them. It, it, you say, well, I just was trying to be encouraging. Well, don't encourage them with a lie. It's not true. We've got to check ourselves. Even when somebody comes up and says, you know, how are you doing? And, and, I, and I know we never want to be like, life is terrible and I hate everybody. You know, it's, it's not like... But at the same time, if Christians are asking Christians, how are you doing? And if we're truly from the perspective that I care about you, and I asked you how you're doing, that maybe God has a spiritual encounter for that encouragement to come into your life, but you have to tell the truth. And it might be just as simple as you stepping back saying, I really had a bad week, or I'm struggling right now, I'm okay, but I could do better. I'm okay, or you could pray for me. We struggle with this. We all do. It's kind of the same thing as your wife comes out of the bedroom and she said, how do I look in this dress? We're not going to go on that one. That was to you. (laughs) But why is this a big deal? Because it's a matter of what is right. Now, if you haven't heard the other messages, the Bible is constantly saying, put off and put on, put off, put off, put on. And he he mentions the things that are corrupt. The things that are corrupt are the things that he says that are going to mess you up. God's never going to ask you to pull something out of your life that's beneficial or, or represents him or the Christian values or anything like that. Anytime he says to put off or remove something from your life, it's because it's not good for you. When he says in Ephesians 4.25, remember who's saying this. This is the, the word of God. Wherefore, put away lying. God is telling us to take it out. Remember, we, we studied this, and you belong to God. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, we are his. We are his workmanship. Literally meaning that God's going to dictate in your life what should be there, what should not be there. From the very beginning, God has declared lying or deception or bearing false witness as a sin. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. One of the Ten Commandments. One of the, one of the standards of the moral law that God has given us. He said, do not bear false witness. Do not give something and present it as truth when you know it, it is not. When you lie, you are sinning. There's no way to put it any other way. It goes against God no matter how you spin it or justify it. There's no such thing as little lies, white lies, blue lies. I don't know, label it whatever color you want. It's a lie is a lie. Anything that is opposite of the truth is a lie. The Bible says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, for us that go to church, for us that were raised in church, for us that go to classes and life group and Bible studies, for him that knows to do good and does not do it, sin. Just call it what it is. We want to make a difference in our culture, and we talk about the corruption in politics. What about the corruption in our hearts? What about the daily things that we do that we justify? And by the way, you're not only justifying it, you're passing it down to your kids because as you justify sin, you're teaching them what to do and what not to do. It's a matter of what is right. Number two, it is a matter of trust. When you've been lied to by someone... It makes you step back in confidence with that person. Can I tell you guys that I've never bought a car from that car lot? Never. 
If I, if I need a car, even when I'm shopping online and I get to that one, I'm like, oh, that's a great deal. Ah, no, <laughs> it's like, I'm good. You know, I just, I, it just stands out in your mind. It's like, I'm, I'm not gonna go through that. I, I need somebody that I can trust. It's, if you say that I can't trust them, then it, man, it puts doubt in your mind because you've been lied to. Marriages are built on trust. I mean, from the very commitment, the vow till death do us part, I, I, I put my confidence, man, I put my trust in you. When trust is broken, and it can be broken in the most subtle ways. I, I've had marriage problems because of something that they, you know, thought was on sale, or, or they lied that it was on sale, or did you buy this, or whatever, and it's like they, they lie, and it's just not a big deal. See, the thing in your spouse's mind, it steps back to go, why did you betray me? Well, betray, yeah, why did you not tell me the truth? Why did you not respect me in that way? It, it is an evil thing, and I'll explain that here in a minute. If there is no trust, there cannot be any confidence. Lies breed doubt, and it puts in their mind, why did you lie to me? Because all of a sudden, I don't know if I can trust you. Because the thing is, just like with a car lot, if you lied to me about this, what else are you willing to lie about? But in the, in the back of the mind of the spouse, and, and it goes with husband and wives in both ways with that. But it's a matter of, I'm running late, or I didn't stop at the store, I did stop at the store, whatever lie that you manipulate, the question is, why did you do that? And what else have you lied to me about? Oh, Satan loves this. Oh, he loves it so much, because once it get, the doubt gets into your mind, it makes you step back. I, I'm going to say something, and I know this is controversial, and I'm going to just say it because it bothers me. If at Christmas time, we always have two things that we're presenting. We have Santa Claus and Jesus. And the world raves about one of them and not about the other. And all of a sudden, we're trying to make it fun. And at one point in their life, we pull one back and say, actually, that wasn't true. And then we have to debate in their mind if that other one is true. And you guys know what I'm saying with that. You say, oh, that's a new new one. I, I want to speak the truth and I want to give glory to God and credit to God. And Satan works through all sorts of things to do anything. And it's just, if it's true, it's true. And if it's fun, make it fun, but don't make it fact. And then one day I have to say, oh, you found out. Yeah, that's not actually true. You say that is fun. Let me tell you the first, the, the beginning of the fall of man and the beginning of the corruption of humanity came from twisting the truth. That's all it was. And by the way, it wasn't even a full-fledged lie. It was a questioning God would put doubt in their mind that led to the truth or led to the lie. And, and, and from the very beginning, did God really say that it placed doubt? I want to avoid placing doubt about Jesus Christ in every aspect of raising kids. I don't want them to question whether or not I'm telling the truth. It's a matter of trust. It's a matter of character. Can I say that the world has lost the concept of character? What is character? Character is who you truly are. It's who you are on the inside. It's, it's, it's the change of you. People can put on a good front, but your, it, your character will eventually show. You can, you can have an amazing resume. You can brag on yourself. But when you, when, you, when you stop showing up to work or you're late all the time or they have to constantly tell you to get to work, something's wrong and your true character is showing in that. 
We should, we should always strive to build our character. Maybe, I think maybe we've taken on the concept or the idea that it doesn't matter what people think. Let me tell you, when the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, I'm not going to conform and try to look a certain way or act a certain way to be accepted. Man, we preach that to our teens. Man, don't try to fit in by picking up a bad habit or acting a certain way or talking a certain way to be in the in crowd. It doesn't matter what people say. Can I tell you that that is not true when it comes to our character? It should matter what people think. Should matter when it comes to right and wrong what people think. I don't want to be labeled a liar because I lie to people. We, we, our character is what was displayed when we talk about let your light so shine before men. Do you know what's shining before men? It's not that what would Jesus do t-shirt that you wear. Or I love my church, or let your light so shine, or whatever. It's not that t-shirt that you wear. It's the honesty and the integrity and the character that comes out of my life when I show up to work on time and I do my best and I do my job. That is the light that's shining through your life. It's not the t-shirt that you wear or the flyer that you give. It's the, it's the light, it's the, it's the character, it's the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Us as parents should strive to teach our kids to live out character. We should be raising warriors for God, not wimps. We should be. And, and, and when we're not teaching them to be honest and to show up, and sometimes your boss is going to say things that offend you, well, that's part of life. And I'm not talking about rolling over and let people walk on you, but I'm talking about standing up, show up for work, do the right thing, put in the job, don't let them have to yell at you, don't bend the rules, don't cheat to get by, and who cares what everybody else is doing? Do right no matter what, do right. Should be a characteristic of Christians. Respect authority. Respect seniors. Respect police officers. Respect our military. Even respect those that have the rule over us and authority in our lives. We should show respect. We should be different. The integrity and the character that we live. They say the world won't listen to Christians. Well, maybe we're too, too hypocritical for them to listen to us. There should be a distinction in every day of our life. Not when Easter comes and I've got a flyer to invite you to church. It should be tomorrow morning when you show up on time. When you're honest about, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm late to work because I overslept. Well, I appreciate you telling me the truth. Can I tell you when it comes to the world, it is refreshing to them to hear the truth. Even if you are late because you overslept, they're just glad that somebody's not lying to them. Man, I just appreciate you being honest. So the next time when something comes up this, and they say, well, how do you know? Well, I can tell you they've proven to me to tell me the truth. That should be the reputation that follows us, to put off that old man. If your heart has been changed by God, then they should see your heart through the character that you live out. Your character matters. He said, nobody else is doing it. Why do we love telling stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Have you ever thought about that? When nobody was doing what's right, they stood up in the middle of that and say, this is not comfortable, this is not popular, but we're going to honor God above anybody. And they stood up, they're saying, come what may. That should be the attitude of you at work tomorrow, and you on the ball field, and you in the locker room, and you in the school hallway. That should be the attitude. I don't care who's doing what, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what's right. And by the way, they might not like you, but they will respect you. 
They may not put you in the popular crowd, but they'll know when you stand up and say, I represent Jesus, they'll, they'll say, I knew there was something weird about you. Christians are a little weird, just be honest. Because we don't mix in with the culture of the world around us. Let me show you this. Ephesians 4.21, which we already studied. If so, that you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus is truth. The truth is in Jesus. He was teaching the disciples when he talked about the gospel and he was introducing himself and explaining himself as salvation about I go to heaven and I, and I make a way for you. And you know what he said? He said, let me tell you who I am. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Literally meaning, if you encounter Jesus at any point in the gospel or any point of his physical life, if you encounter Jesus, you encountered truth. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you have Jesus in your life? Say amen, shout, wave, do something, acknowledge me up here, don't let me be up here alone. If you have Jesus in your life, you represent truth. Do you get it? Say, it doesn't matter. I'll do my own thing. It's not just a matter of character. Do you understand that you are the ambassadors of truth? When they encounter Jesus, they encounter truth. When they encounter you, they should encounter truth. And man, Satan hates that. That's why he loves it. Like, hey, you know that guy. Well, you know, he lies like crazy. Or you can't believe a word that he says. And it just comes out of us. On the flip side of this, this is a spiritual battle. You, you need to know that spiritual warfare, like how is Satan winning so much? Well, maybe sometimes I think we're doing the work of Satan. Man, that's really rough. Here's what Jesus was saying in John 8, 44. You're of your father, the devil. Okay, you, you are of the characteristics of the devil. And the lust, the desires of the father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan lies. Satan is the author of lies. Satan works through lies. So I'm just laying this out there. When you lie to people, you lie to your family, you are doing the work of the devil. You say, that is rough. Just read it. I am misrepresenting truth, and it makes people, as soon as they find out, you say, well, they won't know. It's, it's, it's hilarious how many people know that you lie, and you don't know that they know that you lie. Your kids know. Like, uh, your character shines through. It's like, I, I, I covered it up. I'll tell you, God doesn't work that way. God doesn't just let our sin be covered up. Lies are that he said he was a murderer. You know what it does? Murder is talking about it destroys trust. It destroys our character. It destroys your testimony. It places doubt in people's mind. It places doubt in our kids' mind. Lies divide us. That's why in, he, uh, in, in this passage, if you ever notice that there's two parts of this, lay aside lying, okay? In verse 21, he says, you have heard and been taught that the truth is in Jesus, okay? It should be represented in us. When you get to verse 25, he said, put away and speak every man with his neighbor. When their neighbor intercepts you, they should experience Jesus because we're connected to them. You're connected to your kids, that's what he's saying. Why is it so important that you tell the truth all the time? 
because your kids are learning, train up a child in the way you should go. That's not just because you drag them to church. It's what you teach them this afternoon. And by the way, your kids pick up on it really well. And we're teaching them not only how to lie, but how to cover it up. It's connected to the, uh, the people around us. It hurts the people around us. But here's the last thing in this. It's like it's a matter of testimony. That add, all adds up. He said this, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. Do you remember when we started this and we brought out the candle in that bushel? It says, let, don't hide. no man puts a candle and hides it under a bushel. Let me just make the connection. The, the, the basket is a lie. It is covering up the truth where, where they're not seeing the example in us and at, at work when you're trying to be an example and teach them Jesus Christ and invite them to church or share your testimony or whatever. They're looking at you in such a way like, man, you are so full of it. I don't know what I can believe. I don't know if you're lying. I, I don't know. I just like, I, I just don't know. It's a matter of our testimony. That's why he said, put away lying and speak every man truth because we're ambassadors of God, which means we should be ambassadors of truth, which literally means that people should be able to trust us because we live out a life that represents Jesus Christ of living out truth. We should. I believe that this is a setup for the rest of this chapter. Because if you can't even be truthful with yourself, and the next thing is going to demonstrate some more habits that we should have, and the easy thing for us is to be like, I don't struggle with that, or that's not really a big deal with me, or I have that taken care of. Let's be honest with ourselves as we go through this. Biblical habit number one, we always speak truth. Here's the next one, verse 26. We're just going verse by verse. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Biblical habit number two is we've got to tame your temper. Tame your temper. Anger is a natural human emotion. And did you notice in that passage it says, be angry. Some of you are like, yes. You know, it's like, finally God says to do something I'm good at. You know, anger is not a bad thing. Okay, just so you guys know, anger in the biblical sense of it is the stirring up of emotions when you see something wrong. If you see an injustice, if somebody starts coming after your kids, if, if somebody's bullying your kids, if something you just, and you're like, ah, I don't care. No, nobody's like that. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. That is not okay with me. That is righteous anger. Remember Jesus in the temple? And everybody's like, well, Jesus got mad too. Yes, he did. And by the way, when he was flipping over tables and everybody was like, he invaded and lost his temple, uh, his temper, he did not. He was cleaning out his own house. They didn't understand that at the time. It belonged to him. He was angry and he said not. There is a righteous anger and there should be a righteous anger where we get stirred up in our hearts when something is not right. God gets angry. Numbers 12, 9, and you can search this through the Bible. It's over, over and over again. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. It was a righteous anger, was something that was not right, and it fires us up. But Paul is very clear in verse 26. He says, be ye angry and sin not. There's a line that gets crossed where it goes from human emotion, when it goes from being stirred up, where it turns into sin. The Bible says, let not the sin go down on your, let not the sun go down on your wrath. So there's two illustrations. There's stirring up of emotions inside of you where you're like, wow, that's not right. 
but then where it gets into uh, the wrath of man or the wrath uh, of your own wrath, that when it gets uh, stirred up inside of you. That wrath is, means to stay provoked. It means to nurse the anger. It means that somebody cuts you off and you hit your horn and you stir it up, but then you accelerate to get caught up back with them and cut them off. You guess what it is? Anger is being stirred up. Wrath is cutting him back off. Okay, there, there's be angry, be emotional, be, be stirred in your heart, but sin not. Literally means don't act out, don't seek revenge, don't get to the point where you want to punch him in the face. Don't tell me you don't do it. This means to lose control. So if you want to change, number one, you've got to call it what it is. It's sin. You know why? Because we have so many ways to justify it. Most people would say, not say, I've got an anger problem. Here's what we'd say. It's like, uh, we like to soften. It's like, sometimes they get a little upset. And your wife and kids are rolling their eyes. Like, that's a little upset. My kids know how to push my buttons. It's like, I've got a short fuse, but I got it from my dad. You know, all these, talked about this a couple weeks ago. I get stirred up, but I'm Irish. And all these, it's like, what? We have, we have all these ways of justifying it. It's like, I do, I do fine at work until somebody pushes me over the edge or somebody sets me off or whatever it is. It's, it's always somebody else. We're, we're good at justifying. It's your fault I got upset. It's the kid's fault. It's, my, it's the traffic. It's politics or whatever. Stop justifying it. Stop shifting the blame. The Bible says, and we've said this already, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. It, it's you. It's you. We're all accountable for our own actions. As long as I'm blaming somebody else, then it's never my fault because I can't control them. And by the way, Satan loves this. And every one of these things is, is connected to Satan and the work of Satan with the sin and the bad habits. You say, how, how is, is this really, am I really letting this turn into anger or, or the wrath or do, do I let it get out of control? Look down at verse 31 and he, he kind of combines a lot of these together and he says, listen, all of these things need to go. But he's talking about what these things, when they're harbored in our hearts and they start living out, what these things produce. He said, let all, A-L-L, all of these things, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It, literally, all these things are produced by the flesh. None of these things should ever be evident in your life when they, when they go from just anger and turning into wrath or turning into sin. These things are not okay. So let's break this down. Bitterness literally means a souring of the attitude. It means when you get upset, and here's where we are, watching the news and watching CNN or whatever you're watching, whatever the news is, and you're like, man, here we go again, and I hate this. And by the way, they do news in such a way to aggravate you, okay? They, they have to have headlines. They, they have to get you to watch and keep watching, okay? So a lot of times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys the truth, and you're going to say this is not true. Sometimes the news lies, and sometimes there's lies even on Facebook. And I know that's going to be a shock to you. And sometimes Satan will work through those means to stir you up, to give you a sour attitude, to rob the joy and the peace from your family and your marriage and dinner that night. 
It's a work of Satan. And I'll, I'll prove that here in a minute. But the bitterness is when it comes over you and every person that gets around you, that could come from a ball game, that could come from traffic on the way home, that could come from the kids being loud, but all of a sudden you look like you just ate a lemon before you walked in to tell your wife hi. It's the let all bitterness, okay, it's just the attitude of you, let all bitterness and wrath. Wrath is a fierceness that takes over. It's an action. That's when you begin to slam doors, throw things down, throw things in the sink. You pitch a fit like a toddler. You say, I wouldn't do that. A lot of people, I, I, I shouldn't tell my stories like this because everybody's going to be like, man, he's terrible. Okay. I remember, and I've told this story before, we were moving. I was, I was moving from Jacksonville to be the pastor, a pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church. Okay. I was very high calling of God on my life to come here. And I was trying to load my car on that, that two-wheel thing because I was going to pull it behind a U-Haul. And I could not get that thing. And I didn't, I didn't think to get anybody to come over and help me line it up. And I did it over and over and over and over again. And finally, I had it up there. And I had to get in, the, like put it in neutral or whatever. But the, the wheel well thing of where I pull it up blocked the door from being able to open. I'm like, no, what am I going to do? And I got so mad. And I was so bitter and angry out there. I took my fist and I just punched the top of the car. And I put a big dent in the top of my car about like that, the size of my fist. You guys don't understand what, I, anyways. Guns. The, the, yeah, these guns, I have permit. It's all right. <laughs> I had to look at that stupid dent in my car every day for the life of that car, every time I got into my car. As a reminder, you lost it and you sinned. I took it out. I, I let it, I was so mad. I don't know. Do you remember that? That's right. That's like, I'll keep letting Jenny think that I'm just like that perfect angel. Like, but I lost it. I got mad. That is the wrath. Where I don't, I don't care. Let's set our feelings aside and just be real. If your family is fearful of setting you off, whether your mom or dad, there's a problem in your home. If your kids have to walk on eggshells to be around their dad, something is wrong. I had a lady one time stop by the church years and years and years ago. Came into my office, said I just backed out, smashed the back of the car. She started weeping. I said, are you okay? She goes, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, well, what did your husband say? She goes, oh, he doesn't know yet. I said, what? She goes, I, I, I'm so afraid to tell him. Your wife should never, ever, ever be afraid to tell you anything. I'm not saying that he's going to stand up and like high five you and way to go, babe. And that was awesome, Mary. But if you can't control yourself to the point where your family can't be honest with you, then something is messed up. Because, by the way, we mess up all the time. Is there ever a time that you have to be afraid to go to your heavenly father? Is there ever a time that you have to walk in fear and trembling because of the fact is you're going to him because you messed up again and again and again? 
Dads, we represent God in our lives. There's an example there of our Heavenly Father where their earthly father, there should be a safety thing there to where our kids know, I'm not going to ignore it and I'm not going to brush it off, but my kids should never ever be afraid to come and tell me the truth. And if we've gotten to that point, something is wrong in our marriages, in our lives. The next word, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and that sounds like a hypocritical, it's, it's the wording there. They put the same word in the English translation here for anger in the first verse and anger in the second. But in the Greek, they're different words. The word for the first one is to stir up emotion. The word for the next one is violent passion or vengeance. But it literally means the same thing as the wrath or in acting out or seeking out vengeance. It is the same thing when somebody cuts you off in traffic and you kick it into gear because you're going to catch up with them. It's sin. Clamors and outcry and outbursts, vocalization, a frustration or hate. When you cuss at the kids or you cuss at the dog or you cuss at the neighbors and you just lose it. You scream at your spouse. You lose control. Evil speaking is when you uh, talk to other people and you're constantly just clamoring to other people and you, and you gossip about it. It's all sin. Say, what does this do? It's spiritual warfare. Look at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Have you ever thought why those two verses are connected in that way? Because you take a dad that loses his cool and all of a sudden he's yelling and throwing things and the kids are afraid and they don't want to walk out of the bedroom and they don't know when it's safe to come out to talk to dad. And they're sitting at the table and they're quiet and they're not talking about their day. And by the way, they're never going to come to you and ask you for prayer or advice when you are a jerk. They're not. They're going to be avoiding you because of the fact is they don't look at you a place of safety and security. They look at you as fear and trembling. By the way, when it comes to God, his perfect love casts out fear. That's the difference between us and God is, is where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. There should be a place of safety of that. When we live that lifestyle of anger and clamor and bitterness and wrath and fierceness of that, the Bible literally says, neither give place to the devil. It's literally like opening the door and say, come in. He robs our peace. He robs our influence. He robs the unity of our, of our houses. Nothing good comes there and is definitely not a place of the peace of God. It's not. Don't give Satan a foothold. Satan loves this. It's a sin problem. Call it what it is. And then take it to God. Let, let me go quick with this. It says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. He literally is telling you that it's time to deal with it. Is it going to happen? Yes, but it's time to deal with it. Here's something. If it is our hearts, if it is our hearts that all this is going, and your wife can't change your heart, you can't change your heart, and your kids can't change your heart, God is the only one that can change your heart. The Bible gives us these instructions, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father which is in secret. You know what that instruction is telling you? You better get on your face before God because you're saying, I want to change. There's not a self-help book, not a website or a podcast that can ever do more than what God can do in your life. And I know I hear people say, they're like, well, you just don't know. I grew up this way. It's ingrained in my mind. A lot of things get ingrained in our minds. Doubts and fears. Tomorrow morning we go in for scans for Logan. And it's, it's terrifying. It, it consumes your mind. And me and Jenny were talking last night. I have a friend of mine that was clear of scans four weeks ago. 
And two days ago, she found out that she's ate up with cancer, like, all through her body. And it messes with your mind. Can I ask you guys a question? You be honest with me. Do you believe that God can heal Logan? Do, 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 you, do you agree with that? Because of the power of God, amen? amen? I'm glad you agree with me on that. Because the same God that can heal Logan is the same God that can help you with your temper. If God can do a miracle in the heart of a child that in the eyes of the medical field is impossible and we all say amen and we have the faith of that, then do not tell me that God can't change you as a dad or a mom or a teenager. I've talked this way all my life or I've acted this way or I inherited this or I'm Irish or whatever flimsy excuse that we have. And then we talk about the power of God and God can heal and do all this. If he can heal cancer, he can heal your attitude. Can take out your bitterness and change you from the inside out. So don't say that God can't do this. Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God can change you. That's why I don't know who you're running to for help. The only one that can truly help you from the inside out is God. And then you've got to submit to the Spirit of God. It's the same passage, Ephesians 4.30. Look at what he says. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. If you are saved, God will speak to you. He's saying, I don't know how to change. Man, you bring it to God, and I, I tell you, and I, I, I know I'm probably saying dads, 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 and I, and I know how the dynamics of life works and homes work, whatever. But I challenge you as dads, get alone with God. And in that secret place, God, I blew it today. I yelled at my wife again and I told her I would never do that again and I did it again. And God, I'm sorry because I keep doing it. And you were honest before God. You know what the thing is? It says in the secret place, there is nothing you can't be honest with God about. There's nothing. And in that secret place, you're in the secret place talking to the most high God, El Elyon. That's above everything. He's above anger and he's above cancer and he's above your attitude and he's above your addiction and he's above your habits that you have in your life. And I think we're a generation that has gotten away from the holy place of God of getting on our hands and knees and just praying to an almighty righteous God. But when we have empty altars and empty quiet places and empty quiet times, then go ahead and just live the rest of your life in your filth because you're never going to change because it is only God that changes you from the inside out. It's only God. You want to truly change, humble yourself before an almighty God. Just tell him the truth. God does this amazing thing because it's it's greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. You, You realize that as... Christians, we talk about El Elyon, and I I love that most high God name. He's the Lord of hosts, the God that fights for me. And then you've got Jesus. He's the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then there's the Holy Spirit. Three and one equal. I'm here to tell you I know where he lives it's right here it's right here 
And, and the Holy Spirit, when it says quench not the Spirit of God in that passage, it literally has this, this radar that goes off. My car has lane departure. I don't know if your car has that lane departure on it. And, and I think you, you just start crossing the line and it, and it will go beep, beep, beep. And, it's, and I think the Spirit of God is in our hearts and minds when you start getting heated. And the Bible talks about being slow to wrath and grieve not the Spirit of God whereby you are sealed to the day. And it talks about these things. And you start getting off a little bit. Man, the Spirit of God, because you are His and your testimony belongs to Him, He begins to beep, 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 and He pulls you back. And there's lights going off and these buzzers going off in your head. It's conviction in your life saying, don't do this. It's conviction. The Bible talks about our attitudes and everything being our tongue is that, that, that raging horse. And James talked about putting a bit in its mouth. And all of a sudden you can take all that horsepower, literally that horsepower, and be able to just pull back on those reins slowly and slow down that horse. So when the Bible talks to us about the Lord is gracious and full of compassion and slow to anger, and that's who God is, then God tells us, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. You know what, we, we, watch what changes when you're in the secret place and you say, God, I need your help. And you come home and you're with the kids and they're, they're, they're being loud and you had a rough day and they're laughing and joking and, and doing dumb things like kids do. And you walk in there, the Holy Spirit of God walks in there with you like that, those reins going, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Because a soft answer turns away wrath. It's not you doing it, Dad. It's not you doing it, teenager. It's not you on that ball field. It's the Spirit of God that finally caught a hold of you to say, you belong to me. It's not you. I'm not going to let you give place to the devil and, and, and demonstrate the things that the old man, you are different now. Act different now. But you know why the Bible says, grieve not the Spirit of God? Because you and your free will of what God has can sit there and pull away from God and you can do it anyways. It is a choice because God has given us choice, but I'll tell you, you have to quench the Spirit of God in order to pull away from the Spirit of God. Here's the last thing when we get to it. When you mess up, just make it right. Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Literally, by the end of the day, make it right with God and make it right with those that you've offended. Now, this is where pride comes in. It's like, I'm not telling my kids. Say, I don't answer to my kids. You, you might not owe them a lot of things, but you do owe them an example. They should see an example because I promise you this, your kids are going to mess up. And what a powerful spiritual thing when the Spirit of God breaks you in that holy place, in that quiet place, and the Spirit of God begins to pull you back and you walk into that room and you sit on the bed next to your kids and you say as that dad that they know is this big strong guy that never right or never wrong or never messes up and you turn to them and say, today, dad came home angry and I sinned against God. And I upset your mom and I scared you guys. And dad was wrong and dad is sorry. So what does that do? It teaches them, number one, how to get things right. And it teaches them 
how to do things the right way next time they get into a situation. I'm talking about radically changing us. Radically changing us. Because God has called us to make a difference in a messed up world. So messed up. And our world today, when they see you being honest, they're like, what was that? They see you apologize for your anger. They step back like, what is that? We needed more shock value to the world by the light that comes out of us as Christians.